My name is Angela. My name is Nicole. And welcome to the Ominous Stitch Podcast. Hello. Hi, everybody. How's everybody doing today? So glad you're here. Are we feeling happy? I am like super happy why am i so happy today i don't know but i love how much of a ray of sunshine you are you're so sweet you're so cute today Ah, i love it welcome back everybody welcome back to episode 16 16 we've done 16 of these already we are in 16 that's awesome it goes fast doesn't it it does go fast i feel like we just started i know right oh nicole this has been a crazy week I'm sorry. It's okay. It's what, good. What's got you in stitches? So what has me in stitches is I took my son to the doctor yesterday. Ugh, that's the worst. And parents, let, shout out if you've had this experience, because this has happened almost every time I go to the doctor now. No. <laughs> so like, I don't want to take my kids to the doctor okay. because it's not only that they get shots, the doctors now give me the shots. They're like, too. oh, you need an update. You're like, <laughs> shoot. <laughs> yeah. So we have the same insurance. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they just, you know, take a quick peek through my file to make sure that, oh, you know what you're due for your flu shot, too. So I took my son in yesterday and he got a flu shot and his COVID booster. Poor buddy. Oh, He's feeling so tired Those are today. Tough together. Yes. And they're like, oh, you know what? You're due for your flu, flu shot, shot too and the flu shot needle i i this is a fact i talked to the doctors it's bigger than your covid booster shot did you oh, know is that it? Mm-hmm. no i didn't know that it doesn't like i don't feel it when it goes in but afterwards oh my where's your arm right my arm is still sore <gasps> i had it yesterday my arm is still sore oh. my head is still fuzzy yeah oh, i hate it so much that's the worst but you got a flu shot. I got my flu shot. Good for you. I, have to <laughs> I was that. a good mom because you can't say, oh, no, thanks. I'll do it later. Yeah. And, and for your kid. kid get shots. That's an evil <laughs> That's the thing worst. the doctor's offices do. <laughs> they trick you. They do. Those tricky doctors. That's... They know what they're doing. But it's good. It's good. I'm glad I have my flu shot. I'm yep. glad I'm up to date. Everything's good. Yeah. And it'll pass. It just takes a day or two. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just busy. I don't have time to not feel Not well. feel good. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, I know that it's just the medicine working through my body i'm not really sick yeah it's it's all good it'll go it'll go away but i'm so happy to see you it's definitely giving me a big boost today Yay! Yay! so miss nicole yeah what has you in stitches oh my gosh you're gonna love this okay i'm ready okay. she wouldn't tell me so no, i don't know because it's hilarious my okay. mother-in-law yeah she is awesome okay okay so she is one to like like horror stuff too. Yes. And she hands me down books and everything. She's uh-huh. like, I'm done reading it. You want it? I'm like, yeah. 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 That kind of. Yeah, yeah. So she texts me last weekend and she said, hey, check this website out. I have to show you. Okay. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. Okay. So the website is rumblytumblypieco.com. Rumblytumblypieco.com. It's a pie company. Oh, yum. Okay. No. No, All right. no. Not Check yet. out the murder pie. What? <laughs> so you oh, can, in the no. month of October, <laughs> no. you can order something called a murder pie. You and this guys, murder it has pie, a bloody face it. looks on it. just like a, a murdered face. 
It's so gross. It's very detailed. That's so crazy. And I don't know if I could ever eat something like that. No. <laughs> right? Like, you know, those people who bring like the kitty this litter just makes cake. makes me think of like, like American pie. Yes. <laughs> right? I just laughed so hard. I think I even showed my kid and oh, he was no. like, what is that? I'm like, I know. So yeah, you can order in the month of October from this company. I couldn't figure out where Rumbly they were. Com. October, you can order a murder pie. Oh, you guys, this is crazy. Thanks. That's thanks, mother-in-law. So funny. <laughs> I'm like, That's how so did she find this? I should have asked If her, you but... sent that to me, I would cry, I think. I'd be yeah. like, oh my God, like, what are you doing? <laughs> if you guys want to want to see it, I will post it on socials, but you got to tell me if you want to see it because <laughs> I won't do it unless it someone says. freaky. It's pretty creepy, but it, it's a seasonal pie. No pie, two pies will look exactly the same. <laughs> um, you can, oh, she does it in, or they do it in apple, cherry, marionberry, or mixed berry. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Would you, you, you I feel like wanna... apple wouldn't be as gross as that's like true. cherry. Cherry would be you perfect want a for red this. One. Yeah, you want a red pie. I guess apple oh, would look so zombie like, right? The, yeah, it would be, be like more pussy, I guess. Right. Ew. I just couldn't eat this thing. That's so crazy. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, she made the picture bigger and it's even worse. It's worse. <laughs> it looks like a murdered face. And the teeth, like there's the teeth, teeth in there. I know. <laughs> So that's got me in stitches, y'all. Oh, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, thanks, mother in law. Oh, no. Thanks for sending this to me. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, so we are going to move on to our, our stitching, but just heads up. So, this episode, we're doing something new formatted. We are going to go back and forth. I'm so excited about this episode. Yeah. This is going to be way fun. This is kind of our, our Halloween tribute. We're trying to keep it real spooky y'all so we're gonna go back real and forth spooky, real spooky today's episode sorry we're, we're distracted by miss angela's dog rosie she's very needing some love right now <laughs> she's like she right loves in the middle of us. nicole nicole is her favorite person in the I world i love rosie she's a good dog you're a good doggy so the stitch today is really cool right you found i cool love one. this stitch yeah so should we get stitching let's get stitching Okay, stitchers. So for today's stitch, I thought to fit the theme, we needed to do something kind of homey that you would find in like maybe some old timey Victorian homes that and things that would get passed down. So I we're doing a lace flower coaster, a lacy flower Ooh, coaster. I like this. And this pattern I found on trulycrochet.com. Truly trulycrochet.com. Thank you truly crochet. Thank you so much lacy flower coaster. And it's so simple to make and it's so cute. It mm -hmm. also I think would make a really cool Christmas ornament too. That's great. Cuz they yeah. look like snowflakes. You're right. I was thinking so, of hanging up the one that you did first that right. you thought it was like it wrong looked, but it yeah. looks great it's I very snowflakey yeah i did too many picos Pico. and we'll talk about picos yes, and what they are in just a second but yeah so they're really really cute lacy flower coaster by truly crochet so please jump over to our youtube and watch me demonstrate this because i'm not going to talk it all the way through right. it's only four rounds what and doing lace four is rounds? really fun yeah huh. it's only four rounds doing lace when you're doing a, a lacy piece it's just going to be a lot of chaining mm -hmm. and a lot of doing different crochets into different points to make 
more lacy bubbles. Aww. That doesn't really make that much sense. I, it kind of does. I can get it. Yeah, yeah. So you're 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 just doing a lot of chaining and then a lot of attaching the chains in different spots and crocheting in different spots that make it very holy and lacy looking. Mm-hmm. So what I found interesting about this pattern, like I said, it's only four rounds, so mm-hmm. it's really fast to make. That's good. And instead of starting with a magic circle, Mm -hmm. like you would expect a lot of round things, because this is a coaster. Mm -hmm. Oh, because it is a coaster, it is recommended that instead of using our favorite... J-hook. Well, you can use a (laughs) J-hook. But instead of using our our favorite... um, Red heart? Red Red heart yarn. Yeah. Yeah, Instead of using our favorite red heart yarn. Uh Uh-huh. You use cotton yarn. Oh, really? So you don't want to use acrylic. Yeah, because cotton's more absorbent. That makes more sense. Absorbent. Okay. So when your drink, if your drink, you know, gets the condensation all Mm -hmm. over it, which they all do. I'm looking at my coffee right now and it is like water all over the table right now. (laughs) The cotton will soak it up, you know. So cotton's better. Cotton's more absorbent. It's better instead of the acrylic yarn. Okay. But instead of using a magic ring, we're Mm -hmm. gonna do something different, which I've done before in the past. But what it does is it leaves an open hole Mm -hmm. in the center of it, right? That's right. So you're going to chain and then attach back to that first chain so it makes a chain circle. Oh, okay. That oh, makes that sense. Makes you sense. slip yeah, stitch yeah. back to that first chain. Mm-hmm. So for the first round, you're going to chain six, and then you're going to join with a slip stitch to the beginning chain, and that forms a ring. Mm-hmm. And then you chain one after that to start the first round. Mm-hmm. And then you crochet into that chain. Ah. So for example, in this one, you're going to double crochet into that chain. Cool. And you do like 24 double crochets into that chain. But every third one is special. So we're going to talk about a Pico. Yeah, what's a Pico? I know. You were asking me that. I I was like, I'm going to tell you. Yes, I saw it. And I was like, what is a Pico? So Picos are special stitches that add this kind of little decorative kind of little ring or nub okay call it nub, nub a decorative little nub mm-hmm. on the top of your stitch so it adds a decorative kind of nub at the top of your stitch got it so for example for this pattern we're doing double crochets and at the top of a double crochet you will chain a certain amount so if it says pico three mm-hmm. you chain three oh. and then you slip stitch into that first chain so it's like you chain three oh. and then you go back and oh. you slip stitch into oh. that one my amigurumi axolotl the axolotl was that do a pico those. yes those feet? are picos <laughs> Yeah, so you've done See, them. I got it. Yeah, so that's all a pico is. So okay. it'll tell you a certain amount that you chain, and then you chain that amount, chain three, chain four, chain five, whatever, and mm-hmm. then you go back and, and you, you slip, slip stitch, stitch into that first chain. Got it. And you get this little kind of decorative I nub. S- I got it. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So really, that's all this pattern is, is it's double crochets, mm-hmm. it's chaining, mm-hmm. and then you do these little picos every once in a while, and it makes a really cool star lacy flowery coaster something i can do absolutely Yay! something you can do She's and it's just me. four rounds of it that is so cool yeah i'm excited to make it so jump on over to our youtube that's right so you can see us make this and demo this beautiful lacy flower coaster yeah and then have fun designing your own kind of lacy patterns oh, yeah, that's yeah a good idea. it's really fun you can just do whatever you want once you get comfortable with it yeah huh? yeah it's a yeah, great yeah. idea so we want to see what you're making yes. so please attach pictures on any of our socials or you can always email us at the ominous stitch at gmail.com that's right and let us know what you're working on because we want to see it we want to see it 
Okay, so that's it for Stitch Time today. Are we ready for story time? I am so excited for story time. Let's get some haunted houses going Mm. on. It's story time. Hey, Stitchers, we're back. It is story time. Yay, story time. Today we are doing haunted houses. Real haunted houses. Real haunted houses. So I did four. Nicole did four. I have no idea what four she did. She has no idea what four I did. Exactly. So we're going to go back and forth. Yay. And And we we divided it. Who gives the who gives each other the most chills when we do this? I don't know. That's how we'll count. What? Yeah. Yeah. See how many chills you give me? No. Out of 10. Yeah, sure. <laughs> How many chills did you get? <laughs> um, and so we divided this because I'm going to do west of the Mississippi this time of the United States. And I'm doing east of the Mississippi. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a million haunted houses out there in the whole world, which we'll get to at some point. Yeah. We only did eight. Yeah. We can't do a, we can't do a podcast for like eight hours. Yeah, we would. (laughs) We would. I think my voice would die. Uh, Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to start? Yes, please. Okay. So what I did because my hometown, I guess I would consider is Washington State. Washington. So I started off in Washington. Go Huskies. Go Huskies. So we are traveling to Everett, Washington. (gasps) Yeah. I know Everett. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You've been there. Yeah, I have. So Everett, Washington, it's called the Rucker Mansion. That is so pretty. So you can see my photo. Yes. It's really nice. They re- I'll go into this, but they restored this whole thing. It's crazy. It's so pretty. Yeah. All right. So Jane Morris Rucker, she was the first non-Indigenous female resident of Everett, Washington in 1889. Wow. Go Washington. She had moved there from Ohio along with her sons, Wyatt and Bethel to Tacoma, Washington. That's where I grew up. Hey, Tacoma Tacoma in 1888 and decided to move up north since there were opportunities for development. They had enough money to become the largest landowners in the city. Tacoma lumberman Henry Hewitt joined with the Rutgers to start up the Everett Land Company, which attracted affluent investors like John D. Rockefeller, Charles Colby, Colgate Hoyt and others. Soon, Port Gardner Peninsula turned into the city of Everett. Isn't that crazy? They called it Port Gardner Peninsula. I didn't know that. (laughs) Uh, Into the city of Everett. And the Rucker family owned 50 acres of downtown Everett. Wow. That's that's good. They had enough land and wealth, so they turned over the Everett Land Company to James Hill, head of the Great Northern Railway, and Riot Rucker became their treasurer. Oh. So the Wreckers decided to build their own home finally, which was crazy. I didn't realize they didn't have like their own like big land. You know? Right. Their, um, own big their home. Yeah. And they didn't build it until 1904. And the construction cost at that time, get this, was $400,000. That's so much money. You want to know how much that is now? Yes. $13,462,318. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's so much oh, money. That's a lot of money to build your house back then. Now, supposedly the mansion was built as a wedding gift to Ruby Brown, Bethel Rucker's newlywed wife. But of course, they chose the best parcel of land that they own to build it. Aw. Now, even though the home was a gift for Ruby, all of the family members lived there. The mansion was completed in the summer of 1905, and it was huge. Huge. Yeah, it's huge. 
gorgeous. Yeah. The house is roughly 60,000 square feet. 60. 60. Six zero on 2.7 acres of land. Holy bajolies. 60,000 square feet. That's well, enormous. Well, of course the entire family <laughs> can live there. Right? You'd have your own like part of the thousand. house. That's an office building. Right? <laughs> it's huge. Okay. That's massive. The mansion boasts six bedrooms only, which is crazy. Six bathrooms, a library, a ballroom, a billiards room, two kitchens, a dining room, a conservatory, and more in just four stories. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and apparently the house went on sale in 2020 for $3.5 million. And it may still be for sale. <gasps> yeah. There's a website dedicated to it, which Whoa. I can show you, by Windermere Real Estate. I wonder if people haven't purchased the house yet because of the hauntings. <laughs> I so. would buy it because of the hauntings. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. It depends on what the hauntings are. No. So okay. my stories go from great ghosts uh -huh. all the way to bad ghosts. Oh, so okay. we're starting off happy. Okay. And it gets really bad. Oh, no. Yeah. So in 1907, Jane Morris Rucker, the mom, right, jumped from her bedroom window. Why, Jane? Only two years after moving into the mansion. Why, Jane? Her death is still a mystery as there was no suicide note. And some historians debate whether or not she even jumped. I think Ruby didn't want the competition. She's like, this is my house get out of here you're the matriarch and Ooh. she pushed her out that's my wedding gift oh. think so <laughs> that was twisted <laughs> i love it mine yeah no, i don't know i don't know there wasn't any kind of evidence as to what happened exactly but she died in 1907 oh jane yeah most residents though that moved in after the ruckers claim strange experiences happened in the house the most well-known haunted area is the Grand Piano. <gasps> yeah. It would play in the middle of the night yes. when no one was awake or around the yes. piano. Yes. I love See? it. You get free music. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Speculations are that it's Jane since she was known to be a great pianist. Oh, Jane. Yeah. So hi, Jane. Jane is also seen floating in her own bedroom wearing her bedroom gown. Some see her apparition in the same window she had jumped out of. Oh, that's a little dark, Jane. <laughs> yeah. SeattleTerrors.com state that other phenomena include strange shadows, unusually sharp drops in temperature, and guests being touched by phantom hands. Uh -oh. Not sure how they would know this, but the rumor, though, is that Ghost of Ruby Brown also still lives in Rucker Mansion as well. Oh, Jane and Ruby are still having They're their little cat out. fight. Yeah. <laughs> They're still battling it out. This is my house. This is my house. <laughs> it's your theory, huh? Yep. It's like, this is mine. Yep. But yeah, it's still for sale. Let's buy it. Let's go get it. <laughs> yeah. I would totally live it. Because I have $3.5 million. Let's <laughs> we go. just have it laying around. <laughs> sure. It's okay. in my back pocket. Let's oh, cool. Go. <laughs> hey, happy birthday. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's the Rucker Mansion. I, I told you it was it. short. No, so. I love it. It's an Everett. I love it. My, my in-laws. I would like to tour it. Yeah, cool. right? My in-laws live really close. So <gasps> I might, when I go you back should. up, I want to go check it out. Yeah, go can. check it out. It looks amazing. It looks I didn't pretty. show you pictures of the inside. 60,000 square feet is a little bit too large for me. <laughs> it's really big, right? It's so huge. And it's Four still, stories. Yeah. It's still 60,000 square feet. Yeah. That's so It hasn't changed. Much I mean, I don't think it's changed any in size. So. No, it is not 60,000 square feet. It suddenly shrunk. No. <laughs> 
it's uh, Ant Man came around. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Miss Angela, where are you taking me? Okay, so we're going east of the Mississippi. Yes. Now, with a lot of the east of the Mississippi haunted homes, we do have to talk about some problematic things. Sure. So specifically, the Civil War and some of these yes. homes. Our plantations, including the first one that we're going to talk oh, about. Oh, yeah, we did that though. We, we we touched upon it when we did the Gettysburg College. Remember that? We did. Yes, yeah. we did. Okay, it's sad. I so, get it. Yeah, but that was war. This is more from the slaves. Well, oh. this one's war. Oh, yeah, war. this one's more about the huh. Civil War than it is about slaves. There are okay. slaves on the property, but this house isn't known to be haunted by the slaves oh. in particular. Okay, this is haunted by a Civil War confederate Ooh, general tell me more okay so we are going to ripa villa ripa villa have you heard of ripa villa no ripa villa okay. is in tennessee oh tennessee yeah, tennessee just outside of nashville T tennessee. okay okay ripa villa plantation also known as meadowbrook mm -hmm. and nathaniel chiris house is a former plantation historic house and museum located in spring hill tennessee the chiris family were part of an 1810 land grant awarded by President James Madison. Mm. Initially, the property included a 1,500-acre farm. Wow. So much land, right? Yes. Nathaniel Francis Cheris IV mm -hmm. resided on the property along with his rife, wife. Rife. Same thing. <laughs> along <laughs> with his wife, Susan Peters Cheris, until her death around 1860. The Cheris family owned at least 40 enslaved black people. Oh which 40. is at least 40. Oh, I, I read reports that it was more yeah, oh gosh. at different times. I read up to 72. Oh, I think at the time. Human lives. Yeah. Ugh. Very, very, very upsetting. Yeah. Nathaniel Francis Cheris IV served in the Confederate Army. However, the Ripavilla Plantation sustained minimal damage during the American Civil War. Oh, wow, okay. It did play an important role. Oh. And we'll talk about that in, in a little bit here. Okay. Okay. The plantation house was built in several phases, but was extensively remodeled between 1928 and 1932. Its architectural style was antebellum Greek revival. However, modifications to the house were done in a 20th century colonial revival style. Okay. It is believed that many of the upgrades in the house were done by slaves with knowledge of skilled crafts such as carpentry. Mm. Yeah. So the important role that Ripavilla played in the Civil War mm -hmm. was in the Battle of Spring Hill. Ooh, okay. I think I've heard about that. Yes. This was a big turning point, yeah. especially for the Union Army, because this is where they were able to regain Nashville right. and start pushing the Confederate back. So okay. this was the big turning point oh, crazy. for the Civil War. Okay. The story of Ripa Villa intersects with the story of the Battle of Spring Hill and the events that unfolded in late November 1864 as the Confederacy engaged in their last great offensive campaign. Confederate General John Bell Hood. Hood. John Hood. Okay. General Hood led the Army of Tennessee into Middle Tennessee with the goal of reclaiming Nashville and potentially turning the tide of the war. As Hood led his men into the state... A U.S. Army commanded by General John M. Schofield was dispatched to slow his advance and buy time for Nashville to attain reinforcements. Schofield's task was to delay the Confederate forces for as long as possible. Keep them back. For, <laughs> keep them back. Push them back. Push, push them back. back. Way back. <laughs> for Hood to be successful, he needed to outflank the Federal Army that stood between him and Nashville, which he did. Okay. 
But Uh unbeknownst to Hood, early that morning, his adversary and former West Point classmate, General Schofield, knew each other, started to get nervous. Mm. He got a feeling. Got it. I got a feeling. (laughs) Okay. Schofield was able to sneak his army away Mm -hmm. and out of the grasp of the Confederates overnight. Good job. When Hood woke up on the morning of November 30th, 1864, he immediately realized that his plan went horribly wrong. Oh, no. That morning, (laughs) he and General Cheatham, 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 Cheatham met at Ripavilla. It is unknown exactly what they discussed or the overall tone of their conversation. One account written four decades after the events transpired mentioned that Hood was wrathy as a rattlesnake this morning, striking out at everybody. Hmm. This may well have been the case, as extreme emotions in this situation would have been understandable, but it is impossible to verify. Hmm. Other things to note about General Hood at this time, Mm -hmm. he had had an amputation and was in a wheelchair. Oh, no. And was using morphine and alcohol to numb the pain. Sure. So I can he's like imagine that he's up and he's yeah. not feeling great. Right. Okay. So so that's important to know, okay. especially as we get more into the story Ooh, here. Okay. The Battle of Spring Hill and the events of the night of November 29th tested their ability to effectively command and communicate in less than ideal circumstances, and the results were disastrous. Whatever oh. these two men discussed in Ripavilla on the morning of November 30th, the outcome was clear. Hood ordered his army to pursue the federal forces, Uh which happened in Spring Hill on November 29th, led directly to the horrors of the Battle of Franklin the following afternoon. Men like General Patrick Claiborne spent their last night on earth camped northeast of Ripavilla. As the story goes, the next day when General Hood instructed General Claiborne that his men were to be placed in the center of the Confederate assault in the Battle of Franklin, Claiborne responded, General, I will take the works or fall in the attempt. Oh, jeez. The Tennessee campaign ended in failure. Hood was unable to reclaim Nashville, and the Army of Tennessee was no longer an effective fighting force. When General Robert E. Lee surrendered his forces in April of 1865, there was no coordinated Confederate Army that could keep the war going. Yay! (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) War is not great, but you know what? Yay. (laughs) yeah okay so after the civil war nat cheris who is nathaniel cheris he went by Mm -hmm. nat returned home to ripavilla in june 1865 so it's important to note that nat was against succession he didn't want to secede from the union but Mm. in order for his way of life to keep going right he needed to join the confederacy and so he fought for them so after the war life at ripavilla changed dramatically nat quickly moved away from cotton production and focused more on wheat and livestock by the end of the 19th century a community of freedmen was living and working on the property Hmm. in order for him to get his land back Mm -hmm. to get ripavilla back he had to renounce the confederacy rejoin the the union officially Mm -hmm. and emancipate all the slaves good at that point he was able to get his land back after he did that and now he has a community of freedmen living and working on the property so they're free and they decide that they want to still work on the farm 
Yes. Are they getting paid? They they're, are they're getting free and working there. So I don't know how they're getting compensated for what they're doing. If okay. they're getting compensated by being able to have their share of the crop or oh, if they're getting compensated that's what I was by thinking too, maybe. getting paid or okay. having land. But they are not working as slaves anymore. They are not working as slaves. Huzzah. The 15 buildings that were formerly used as slave structures were the centerpiece of what became known as the Cheris Quarters. Sam Bond, a man who was formerly enslaved elsewhere, was hired as the farm manager in the late 1880s and he lived and worked on the farm for over 20 years Susan Cheris died on June 15, 1893 Nat sold the house to his son William barely a year later by the year 1900 Nat and his widowed daughter Jeannie were living in West Moray County Jeannie then moved to Waco, Texas and it was on January 2nd 1914 while visiting Jeannie that Nat Cheris died. He was mm. 95 years old at the that time. That is old. Good yeah. for him living that old. So that's a little background sure. of Ripa Villa. Okay. Okay. So now let's go into the haunting of Ripa yeah. Villa. Okay. And there's a very specific reason why I chose this and okay. we'll get into that in oh, a second. I'm excited. Okay. So this is taken from WKRN.com. Okay. This is an article on WKRN.com. And the article is Haunted Tennessee, Ripa Villa, Plantation. If any house could be haunted, this one would be. This is by Stephanie Langston. Okay. In 1862, it was occupied by Union soldiers. But two years later, Confederate General John Bell Hood who we spoke about a little Mm -hmm. bit ago, and his officers planned for the Battle of Franklin in Ripa Villa. It's here on the front porch where Forrest threatened to beat Hood within an inch of his life. Oh, jeez. The home later served as a field hospital, leaving behind bloodstains. The bottom, the north side where the piano is, was actually used as a surgery ward, with pieces and parts being thrown out the window, soldiers interred in the yard, and locally through here as well. Can you imagine all that chaos of just people being hurt and like having to treat them in a house and then just throwing their body parts out the window yeah yeah (laughs) that smelled great right one of the caretakers is is giving us all this detail okay at times he can feel cold and heavy and many can still hear see and smell the spirits of the past from rosewater perfume to the hair tonic of a well-groomed man you will smell pipe tobacco and you will smell good cigars here sometimes you will smell cigarettes too hmm. from old spirits to young one it is not uncommon to hear children playing on the grounds at ripa oh, villa geez. plantation either and in one room specifically there's been numerous sightings of a little girl named annabelle what <laughs> that name i know we have a tape of a recording of annabelle talking someone asks well what's your name and she says annabelle <laughs> really sing-songy so the caretaker explained Children are drawn to the room, and the 1810 baby bed has been known to move on its own. What? Keep that in mind. What? That's going to come back. Ah! A number of EVPs, or electronic voice phenomena, you guys know what that is. Yes, have been captured inside the mansion. The sounds aren't surprising to those who work on the grounds. They often hear boots pounding across a hardwood floor and conversations of a pre-Civil War ghost in the garden. Doors shut on their own, the security system is regularly tripped, and some may have seen Mrs. Cherry peering out of a bedroom window. Yes. So the apparitions happen all year round Mm. at any time of the day. After all, it is their home. Yeah. Yes. That's crazy. So this is why I chose Ripa Villa. Okay. Why? (laughs) 
Oh, you're so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay. Who comes to your mind if I do this? Don't tell my heart. My <laughs> breaky heart. I just don't it's, think it'll understand. Myla's dad. Yes, it is. Myla's. Mr. Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, that's so fun. He's deeply connected to Ripa Villa. What? Why? Okay. Oh, you got to tell me. In an interview mm -hmm. in, on June, in June of 2014, mm -hmm. Billy Ray says he was out riding a motorcycle and exploring... In Tennessee, okay. where he moved, he just had moved there oh, and okay. found the Ripa Villa. Mm -hmm. He would take his kids out at night and hung and hang out at the plantation. Mm -hmm. So the plantation is open during the day for visitors. Oh, cool! He would go at closing hours and park his truck, mm -hmm. and they would just sit there on the lawn. Can we do and that? Sure. Is that on our bucket list? <laughs> sure, okay. it's on our bucket list. Yeah, and and take his kids and just sit there. He was very drawn. Interesting. To visiting Ripa Villa. Okay. Mm -hmm. In the summer of two thousand eight. He and his daughter, Noah, who was eight years old at the time, parked the truck in front of the plantation. He and his daughter witnessed a large black figure of a man come out of a closed door mm. of the porch, holding something and staring them down. No. They fled as fast as they could. And Billy Ray went back many times to see if he could see the apparition again. Oh. So, Did you see it again? Well, I have something better. <gasps> oh. Our dear friend, medium, Kim Russo. Oh, hey. Okay. Yes, this is an episode of The Haunting of Billy Ray Cyrus <gasps> at Ripa Villa. That's so you crazy. You should watch it. Okay. It is on YouTube. I have to see it. It is so fun okay. to watch. Okay. It's so fun to watch. Yes. So watch. This is one of my favorite episodes okay. and why I chose this. Nice. Okay. Okay, Kim Russo, famous medium, met him at the plantation to uncover what he saw. She gets visions of an old soldier who is in a wheelchair and who drinks to numb the pain. Mm. Yep, it comes General back. Hood. That's right. General Hood. There is also a young soldier who takes commands from the older soldier, and she also senses the Battle of Spring Hill. Wow. So she senses that Civil yeah. War battle, right? Mm -hmm. And so as the episode moves on, I'm going to give you some of the highlights from this episode. Okay. Okay. She gets visions of the times when Ripa Villa was used as a hospital during the Civil Whoa, War. Creepy. In that piano parlor yeah. that we heard about earlier. Right. She's like, I see white walls. I see mm -hmm. blood stains everywhere. Oh. I see things being amputated. Oh, it's so creepy. Billy Ray, this is important to note, okay. also says that it feels like he's coming home when he visits the villa. Weird. It Why? feels like home to him. Uh -oh. And we'll get into that in oh, a minute. Oh, no. General Hood stayed at Ripa Villa. There's okay. a plaque of in the room that he stayed in. Mm -hmm. So they were up in that room. And he had his leg amputated and was on morphine and alcohol mm -hmm. for the pain. Mm -hmm. And as we discovered earlier, he made a lot of decisions about a big turning point in right. the Civil War. Bad decisions. Really bad. Really bad but decisions. Good for, good for the <laughs> Union. Bad for the Confederacy. Yes. Bad for him. Yep. So as the show progresses, she names that younger soldier she says his name is alfred 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 okay alfred the younger soldier died under the command of general hood and his presence is stuck at the villa oh. and it is documented that a young soldier named alfred that was a confederate and served general hood did die on that property wow. so he is buried there <gasps> he's buried at ripa villa his body is there right according to kim billy ray mm -hmm. was a soldier in a past life and is connected to the villa. What? And when they were touring the house, it's at this point mm -hmm. where they walk into that room with the crib. Yeah. And it moved. <gasps> so oh, they saw the crib crazy. move. It moved. Oh my gosh. Billy Ray saw Alfred on the porch that night. 
that's who Kim discovers right. who he saw. Okay. He had a brother. Alfred had a brother named Henry mm-hmm. who is Billy Ray. Oh my gosh. Reincarnated. What? Yeah. So Alfred is recognizing Billy yeah. Ray's soul yeah. as his brother. And according to Kim, the story is that Henry deserted the battlefield because he didn't agree with General Hood. And Henry mourned the death of his brother who followed General Hood and died at the Battle of Spring oh, Hill. Geez. Henry buried his brother on the property. Mm. Alfred has been drawing Billy Ray to the property ever since looking for his brother because he recognizes Billy Ray as his brother. And Billy Ray feels guilty for deserting his brother or Henry feels guilty for deserting his brother. And he decides to fulfill his purpose and help Alfred move on. And so that's how the, that's just a recap of of the episode. Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) Did not know any of that. Right. That's That's why I chose that one. I thought that was a cool story. That's so cool. (laughs) Good job. So that's the Ripa Villa. Ripa Villa. You know, when he kept saying Ripa Villa, I thought it was one word. Well, (laughs) it is. So, Sometimes Ripavilla. it's written as Ripa Villa, one word, and okay. sometimes it's Ripa Villa. Okay. So it's both. Cool. Yep. That's the story of Ripa Villa. I love it. Okay. Tag, you're it. My turn. <laughs> okay. Well, we're, we're moving not too far, I guess, from Tennessee. We're just moving up to Oklahoma. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sleeping down the plains. Oklahoma, where the, messing up words, where the wavy <laughs> can sure smell sweet, where the wind comes right behind the rain. Okay, it's more it. than I know. <laughs> oh, I did that play in high school. Oh, good job. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are going to the Belvedere Mansion in Claremore, Oklahoma. So this is where John Bayless built the Belvedere Mansion, listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Now let's go into the background of John Bayless. He was a banker and had seven children. That's so many kids. Mary Stubblefield. Yeah. Between 1880 and 1895. Math. Oh my gosh. Seven kids in 15 years. That's a lot. That's so much. Oh no. Every other year. No, 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 no. Pop that out. I did that for three years. I had, I had a kid, took a year off, had a kid. Imagine do that for seven years or 15 years. 15 years. Seven kids. They were Francis, Guy, Earl, Bland, Ross, Burke, and Wayne. Would you want to be named Bland? Bland. Well, Bland's a big part of the story. Oh. And I wouldn't want to be named Bland. Bayless was a banker and he owned a company in 1902. As a great entrepreneur and financier, he built the Sequoia Hotel. It's a three, st- oh, just a Sequoia Hotel, sorry. Three story Windsor Opera House with a first floor drugstore, the Claremore Athletic Association with an indoor swimming pool, Ooh. and the Belvedere Mansion. Nice. The only building, though, that remains standing today is the Belvedere, the Belvedere Mansion. Mansion. Wow. There it is. Whoa. <laughs> it looks like a castle. It looks very much it like a castle. It has four turrets, guys. Right? This home is so cool. That's what I even put yeah, in my notes. Yeah, you did. It's a Gothic-style brick home, a tile roof, and four towers. The first floor foyer, dining room, and fireplaces to this day are tiled with hand-laid one-inch square, circular, and hexagonal porcelain tiles the work of an italian craftsman Ooh, so it sounds so pretty made. yeah the woodwork was shipped by rail from the 1904 st louis world's fair the walls were wainscoted marble many rooms had fireplaces and the third floor was dedicated to a 2400 square foot ballroom oh nice the whole floor up there 
Unfortunately, only six months prior to the mansion's completion, Bayless passed away on the operating ta- table for appendicitis. Oh, no. He didn't get to see his home. Oh, That's sad. Bayless. Poor Mr. Bayless. It was a very somber time, but Miss Bayless and the children were able to move into the mansion after his death, and everyone grew up and married and was fine. Oh, good. However. Oh, no. The Oklahoma Paranormal Research and Investigation website uncovered a sad bit of news about one of the Bayless daughters, Bland Bayless Martin, wife of William Ferris Martin. So Bland was living with her husband in Kansas City, Missouri, and on September 11th, 1913. September 11th. September 11th. Wow. Okay. Yeah, no, it's not a good day. William Martin came home to see Bland had committed suicide by hanging <gasps> from a clothesline tied to a curtain rod in a doorway. Oh, no, yeah, poor Bland. Bland. She left no note, so cause and reason is still unknown. In 1928, Miss Bayless, the wife and mother, passed away and the children had all left. The Bell family ended up purchasing the property in the late 1920s, and they divided it into 12 individual apartments. Then the home was left in shambles, which is sad, in the 1980s, and it was deserted in the early 1990s, and finally purchased by the Rogers County Historical Society. Yay! Yay! Under the presidency of Wanda Moore, the restoration process began, and it was extensive. I bet. So much. Annual fundraisers, donations, gift shop sales, ballroom rentals, and tea room profits are constantly helping to preserve the mansion's grandeur. That's awesome. I'm glad that somebody was able to come in and and preserve that. And fix it, because it's a beautiful building, isn't it? Yes. It's so sad when big, beautiful buildings just kind of go to rubble. Get derelict, yeah. Yeah. On to the supernatural story. Ah, yes, I love this part. Numerous people have reported that John Bayless and other family members continue to reside at the Belvedere Mansion. Unexplained noises, actual sightings of shadowy figures, toilets that flush by themselves, hot and cold spots, and feelings of being touched by someone when no one is there have been reported over the years. An employee at the mansion by the name of Ruth has stated hearing the voice of a woman throughout the mansion. One time she took her grandson with her to the mansion and he said he talked to a lady there who fit the description of Bland. Oh, that's good. Yeah. (laughs) Also, a visitor had come for a tour of the mansion and when they walked in, she asked who the gentleman was outside on the porch. There was nobody out there that Ruth was aware of, so she asked the visitor to describe what happened. The visitor stated she saw a man sitting outside on the porch, and as she approached, he said hello and talked about how happy he was with how the house looked and that it was being (gasps) taken care of. Mr. Bayless? After the visitor saw a photo of John Bayless, she gasped and said that was the man she she saw sitting on the porch. Oh, that's good. (laughs) That's good. I have chills. I like that one. Another encounter with Bland was when a gentleman was up visiting Bland's old room and he heard clear as day, who are you? (gasps) In a woman's voice. He left and refused to go back in. Oh, I bet. 
The Oklahoma Paranormal Research and Investigations team explored the mansion in 2007 with the psychic in tow. They concluded that they feel Mr. Bayless and Bland, the daughter that committed suicide, still reside in the mansion. Mr. Bayless is there more to watch over the house while Bland is more of a trapped soul. Poor Bland. I know. The psychic said she felt that Mr. Bayless is not as present, but he was protective of the house, while Bland's presence has a sense of intense sadness and depression. Oh, no. The investigative team witnessed shadowy type figures passing through the hallway on the second floor and into different bedrooms. They would hear whispers and even caught a few EVPs. While they were on break... This is a cool one. Two group members were outside on the side of the house when they noticed a light come on in the second story window. Then it went off. They thought that maybe the team ended their break early and started up the investigation again. However, However. the rest of the members were still sitting on the porch. Uh Uh-oh. No one was upstairs in the house (gasps) when the lights turned on and off. Oh, that's a good one. Lastly. Yes. On OKHauntedHouses.com. Someone anonymously shared their experience they had in the mansion. This is crazy. So in the early 1990s, the mansion was having a small craft sale on the first floor for Christmas. The share and and the friend decided to go upstairs to explore. So due to the remodeling at that time, they had everything roped off except one room. They explained that the room was fixed like a child's bedroom, twin bed against left wall, little dresser on right wall. The person walked over to the back wall where there was a window and they looked down to see their truck. As soon as they turned around and walked back, they passed the head of the bed and they said, an ice cold presence moved up behind me, kind of glanced over my shoulder, but I knew my friend and I were the only ones in the room. Well, the cold thing passed right through my body. (gasps) I felt it go in and come back out my front. Oh no. I felt like I was freezing. When this happened... To my perception, the room was now at a 45-degree slant. What? In my mind, I was trying to figure out how to get out of the room really fast. My friend was standing at the foot of the bed close to the door with her back to me, so I had to step out and go around her to get to the door. I really thought as I stepped out, I would fall over or slide down the slant, lol. Right? I told myself to do it and run fast. I got out the door, turned to look back, and my friend from the hallway uh, looked up at my friend from the hallway. I felt fine then, no slanting or freezing cold. My friend, still in the room, foot of the bed, glanced back over her shoulder, turns and looks back at me. Her eyes were as big as plates. Uh oh. She rushed out of the room, standing next to me, looking back into the room. She starts to freak out says someone was tugging on the back of her shirt. She (gasps) thought it was me behind her. But when she looked back, no one was there. She was shaking. It scared her so bad. Oh, that reminds me when your skirt was tied. So that was her anonymous story or his. I didn't know who. And that's the Belvedere Mansion. Oh, that's a good one. Oklahoma. 45 degree slant. That's, I can, but that was like, wow, I can kind of see, like, picture that, like, maybe it just, that energy just passed through and just, like, disoriented yes, you that much, yeah. Because yeah. there's so much crazy energy. I've, I've be- definitely <laughs> been disoriented enough to feel like I'm spinning. And Not on alcohol, right? 
babe. All right, where are we going, Angela? Okay, now we're going to New York City. Hey, New York. New York, New York. Concrete jungle where dreams are made of. Okay, we are going <laughs> to the Morris Jamel Mansion. Mm. Now, when I started looking up houses, mm-hmm. I texted Nicole. This is a little side. I texted her. I was like, have we done this place before? Yeah, you had like deja vu. Huh? Yeah, I was having deja vu. I'm like, I no. think I know this story. Why do I know this story? Right. I still don't know why I know no what idea. this is. But we're going to we're okay. gonna go visit it right now. Are you ready? Yes, I'm okay, so ready. Okay, get your travel pants on. Travel pants. Go. New York. New York. Okay. This is from newyorkcurbed.com. That's where I got this article from. This Mm -hmm. is the 13 most haunted buildings in New York City. The Morris Jumel Mansion, one of the oldest houses in Manhattan, this stately Georgian mansion (coughs) in Washington Heights, was built by Roger Morris, a colonel in the British Army in 1765. It served as as military headquarters for both sides of the revolution, with George Washington retreating here after the disastrous loss of the Battle of Brooklyn in 1776. In 1810, the house was bought by Stephen Jamel and his wife, Eliza. And after his suspicious death, she remarried in 1832 to a haunted figure in his own right. Owen (laughs) Paul. Why did I say his name like that, Nicole? (laughs) What? The peanut butter commercial. (laughs) Owen Paul. Can't say Aaron Burr. That's how I hear his name. I don't care how many times I've seen Hamilton. Oh, I hear his name that hard. way. Okay. Sorry, she guys. married Aaron Burr. Okay. Got it. <laughs> the former vice president and killer of what's my name? Boy, Alexander Hamilton. I never saw it. <laughs> You've never seen <laughs> no, Hamilton? Don't, don't kill me. Oh, sorry, is guys. it still on Disney Plus? I'm sure it is. Oh, we tried. Gosh. I'm really sorry, guys. Oh, so Nicole. real quick. Yes. My husband hates musicals. <laughs> He just has a has a backstory to it. I like only a couple. So It's really cool to watch. Okay. It's really cool. We tried. I'll try again. Yeah, I'll try, try it on again. my own. It's really cool. Sorry, guys. You would like it because there are parts that go backwards and forwards, and okay. the design of it is really Oh, Lynn manual All right, I'll try. And his songs are crazy catchy. Okay. You know that. They are crazy catchy. Okay. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> That's the only one I don't know. <laughs> no, it's we don't talk about <laughs> no i don't don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> you guys are welcome for that little earworm yeah, yeah. okay so killer of alexander hamilton okay since at least the 1960s rumors of the supernatural have persisted when a group of rowdy school children allegedly saw the ghostly visage of eliza jumel oh. who told them to quiet down before <gasps> gliding away what other sightings include talking a talking grandfather clock. Oh, it's, it's Beauty and the Beast. Right. And a Hessian soldier. <gasps> who's his been, head on? Yes, his head is on. Okay. A Hessian soldier who's been known to emerge <gasps> from paintings on the wall. Ooh. Yes. That, that is so cool? cool. Okay. This but he has is, his head. He has his head. Dang it. This is from morrisjumel.org. Okay. As the oldest surviving house in Manhattan, the Morris Jumel Mansion has borne witness to much of New York City's rich and diverse history. The original property located on the ancestral homeland of the Lenape people comprises 50 modern city blocks. 
In addition to it serving as military headquarters for both the British and Hessians, as well as the Americans during the Revolutionary War. Mm. For those of you who don't know what Hessians are, because I had to look it up, it was a faction of, yeah, faction of the German army that came and fought um, with the Brits. Sleepy Hollow. Oh, sleep, yeah. Johnny Depp, Sleepy Johnny Hollow. Johnny Depp, Sleepy yep. Hollow. That's right. The mansion also served as a tavern for a number of years. Stephen and Eliza Jamel purchased the house in 1810 and embarked on a series of major re- renovations, reflective of contemporary 19th century taste. Thanks to the stewardship of the last private owners of the property, Ferdinand and Lily Earl, the home became a museum in 1904. Mm. The mid-20th century saw the neighborhood develop into a vibrant home to many artists and celebrities from the Harlem Renaissance, including Paul Robeson, Jackie Mm. Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, and Duke Ellington. Yay, that's for you. Do, 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 do. Okay. <laughs> take the yes, A train. Yes, yes. <laughs> you must take the A train. Yeah, I didn't know the words. I know how to play the <laughs> sexual line. Hill in Harlem. Yeah. Duke Ellington once referred to the Morris Jumel Mansion as the jewel in the crown of Sugar Hill. Aww. Today, the mansion and its neighboring buildings are a part of the Jumel Terrace Historic District. Because of this, the appearance of the immediate neighborhood has changed very little since the beginning of the 20th century. The Landmarks Preservation Commission designated the Morris Jumel Mansion as an individual landmark in 1967 and an interior landmark in 1975, and the mansion was listed in the National Register of Historic Places in 1966. Cool. The mansion is a member of the Historic House House Trust of New York City. This mansion has Uh been featured so many times. Let me tell you some of the things that it has been featured on. It has been featured on The Holger Files, Ghost Adventures, Yay, Zach Bagans, Haunted USA, New York, Mm -hmm. New York One. Mm -hmm. No, no, that is. New York One is a new station in New York, New York One. The Today Show, Uh Surviving Death, Mm -hmm. News 12, Mm -hmm. and Good Day, New York. Good day. Good day, New York. The Morris Jumel Mansion is perceived by many as a paranormal site and has attracted academics and investigators such as Hans Holger, Zach Bagans, the Tennessee Wraith Chasers. Ooh, that's a cool name. And now us. Yay! Yay! Okay, and now I have a list, and we will include this in our notes, okay. of all of the television spots it's wow, been on. It's been on, it's been on a lot of things. Cool. In podcasts and in print. That's so cool. And I went ahead and visited some of these stories. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pull from some Perfect. of these stories and tell you what they found. Yeah. If there are such things as ghosts, they are here, Ooh. said paranormal investigator. Vincent Carbone, who also gives tours at the mansion. Yeah. This is a CBS News story okay. that I'm that I'm reading to you guys right now. You got okay? it. Okay. Sunday morning, producer Sarah Kugel asked Carbone, what kind of things have you seen? He answers, I haven't seen much, but I have heard disembodied voices, mm. footsteps. I've heard objects moving. Other staff members have seen things. They have heard things as well, <laughs> including activity in Aaron Burr's former bedroom. In the paranormal industry, there's a term called the EVP. We all know what that is, <laughs> said Carbone. That's a sound or voice that is recorded on a digital recording device that you didn't hear in real time. About two years ago, we were recording in this room and about a week after the investigation, the team leader sent us this clip and said, hey guys, we got something in Burr's room mm. and I don't know what this is. Oh. Carbone played the video clip. Notice no one reacts to it because we didn't hear it. 
But also notice that it's so loud that it has an echo, much like our voices in the room at that same time. <laughs> I actually listened to a recording of it. What? Yes, I did. They have it on this website okay. so you can listen to it. Okay. Although the sound was isolated from the background noise, Carbone said no one could determine what exactly it is. And what does the voice say? Everyone has a different opinion, he replied. When I first heard it, I thought it said, he doesn't love you. Some people say, they're going to laugh at you. Listen for yourself. Ooh. We have an audio of a mysterious shouting voice in Aaron Burr's bedroom. Try Let's this. do it. Play it. Can you play it? Whoa. Was that it? it? Yeah. Listen again. Who asked you? That's what I hear. Okay. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. That is so loud. So hopefully we picked that up. If not, you guys got to go listen to a link it. But yeah, we'll that's link insane. It. Ah, Sunday morning was still skeptical. So Carbone showed some of his paranormal investigating gadgets and electric magnetic field meters were brought into Burr's bedroom. Mm -hmm. This furniture is original. Whoa. This is from France. Eliza Jumel, who is married to Burr, did own this. Wow. There's nothing electronic in or round or underneath these pieces of furniture, Carbone said. Meters placed on two chairs lit up brilliantly. <gasps> I'm not saying that we are definitely capturing a ghost conversation here, but it is pretty interesting. Yeah. It opens up the dialogue a little bit more, he said. The Morstry Mansion hosts ghost tours <gasps> twice a month for believers and non-believers Oh, are we going alike. to New York now? <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> New York. <laughs> Carbone said, healthy skepticism is what we want. I would much rather investigate with a room full of skeptics than one person who is truly a believer. Yeah, that'd be crazy. So this is from Spectrum News, New York One. Okay. Story of Manhattan's oldest and spookiest house is now open for ghost yeah, tours. Yeah. yeah, it is. We've got an interesting history of ghost stories that date back far as the early 1800s, says Lynch who is one of the staff members there. Mm -hmm. Some staff have heard disembodied voices. Some have seen shadow figures. Inspired by the popularity of ghost hunting, the museum is now inviting visitors for paranormal programs, including candlelight ghost tours with an EMF or ghost meter, mm -hmm. as they've also come to be known. As we entered Aaron Burr's room, Lynch tells me the museum's popularity has skyrocketed because of the hit Broadway musical Hamilton that <laughs> yeah. brought to life the founding fathers. Hamilton, Burr, mm -hmm. Washington, and other historical figures all walked these halls. Yikes. In fact, the mansion houses the room where it happened. <gasps> what? To song, the room where it happened. Oh. <laughs> it's also where Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote the song, The Room Where It Happened. He was actually there? He was there. He that's sat fun. in the chair okay. in the room where it happened and wrote Good the song. Yeah. That's why I wanted to include this. Miranda wrote parts of Hamilton sitting in this very chair, says Lynch. And when said she it? said it, the meter went off. Oh, that's crazy. It is true some scientists have been skeptical about the use of EMF meters in detecting ghosts. But the stories are hard to ignore and to explain, including a story of school kids in 1964, which we already talked about, yeah, right? Yeah, that's so cool. The author of the article goes on to say, I don't know if the Morris Trimmel Mansion is in fact haunted. I do know that the meter went off a lot. <laughs> it is spooky in here. And I do think I heard Eliza Jumel calling my name. No, no. Yay. And I have one more for you. Okay. Okay. So this is from the podcast Burrows of the Dead Paranormal Fun. Investigation of the Morris Jumel Mansion. 
So one of the mansion's most well-known residents is Eliza, Eliza Jumel. Eliza Jumel started life in a Rhode Island workhouse, was rumored to be a prostitute, and she married the wealthy French-Haitian merchant Stephen Jumel and lived a life of opulence thereafter, moving into the mansion in 1810. In 1832, Stephen Jumel had a terrible accident. Mm -hmm. This is his accident. Oh, listen to it. Okay. Falling out of a carriage... And landing on a pitchfork. What? Right. How random. Landed onto a pitchfork. Just placed there? He was brought back into the mansion. He was still alive, mm -hmm. still breathing, but he died that night. Pick up your tools, man. It is rumored that Eliza is responsible Ooh. for his death and that she undid his bandages while he slept. What? Right? Eliza married Aaron Burr the next year. Oh, no. Right? But their marriage was tumultuous. And only lasted a few years. In fact, the divorce went through the day Aaron Burr died oh, cool. in 1836. She's a giggling granny. Right? <laughs> she might be. Oh, that's crazy. The evening began in the octagonal room. Vinnie Carbone, mm -hmm. we have Vinnie back, yep. director of programming, talked about his first experience in the ma mansion just over a year ago. He came for a bachelor's party and, inst and instantly became fascinated with the mansion. In October 2015, he created and directed a site-specific play at the mansion called Awakening in Inc. Ooh. This is the paranormal investigation of the Morris Jumel Mansion. Okay. Carol Ward, the executive director of the mansion, then noted there tends to be more activity during events or renovations, which I think is true of a lot of haunted houses. It just stirs up a lot. They don't want their stuff being disturbed. Right. So it stirs up it. a lot of juju. Yeah, juju. <laughs> <laughs> In the last week, portraits had been moved for an upcoming renovation. Carol said there tends to be more paranormal activity when she's around. She's been working at the mansion for eight years, and she's the first female executive director of the mansion. And many believed that Eliza has feminist leanings, considering the way in which she'd managed to expand Stephen Jamel's fortune and hold on to it, in spite of being a woman. There have been other recent investigations at the mansion by outside groups, but they found little activity. Hmm. Carol talked about some of her ghostly experiences in the mansion. For example, recently when a television crew was visiting the mansion, Carol heard a voice ask if everything was okay, but she could find no one in the mm. near vicinity. The first area to be explored was the dining room. We waited in the dark, keeping a distance from the EMF pumps, which started to light lightly flicker. Mm -hmm. As Carol told us more history of the mansion, we all distinctly heard footsteps coming from the second floor Creepy. where no one was on the second floor. Then Vinny started to notice activity on the K2 wires by the room where Eliza married Aaron Burr. The lights were moving from orange to red. More than that, the white noise scanner started to pick up a lot of static. Uh -oh. After the activity in the dining room started to calm down, we moved to the second floor landing. Vinny talked about introducing ourselves to the ghost European style and talked about the idea of stating to the ghost that we meant no harm. Mm -hmm. He noted that American style ghost hunting usually means someone would burst into the house with N no introduction. There was little activity in the second floor, but the EMF pumps were flickering blue ever so slightly in the area near George Washington's Ooh, room. Vinny and Carol wanted to try an experiment that night. Carol had noted in the previous investigations that when there are a lot of men present, they get very little activity in Eliza's bedroom. Carol wanted to split the group so only women would investigate Eliza's bedroom, and then they would switch to all men. Hmm. Interesting, the K2 wires and EMF pumps were extremely active in Eliza's bedroom as a group of women 
huddled around her bed asking Eliza questions, such as, do you consider yourself a feminist? Are you happy to see so many people visiting this room? When the group switched places it w- and it was all men, they detected no activity in Eliza's bedroom. Wow, So their really? little theory was right. Interesting. The group of women moved to the room that was considered to be Eliza's adopted niece's room, but now historians think it might have been her great nephew's room. Hmm. There was some activity detected on the K2 wires in this room, but our group had a little trouble figuring out who the spirit might be based on our questions. In the room that I've come to think of as George Washington's room, which contained a telescope and a map, there was no activity, just a flickering red light that turned out to be a smoke alarm. <laughs> In Aaron Burr's room, the K2 wires were turning to red and orange, and the EMF pumps were emitting a blue light. But this was also an elusive ghost, and our questions for the ghost were unable to confirm his or her, her identity. Some of the activity seemed to be coming from the chair. It's the ghost of Lin-Manuel Miranda, Carol (laughs) joked. Lin-Manuel Miranda had sat in that chair while writing several Aaron Burr songs for Hamilton, the musical. Of course, it couldn't be the ghost of Lin-Manuel Miranda because he is alive alive. and well. You know, they were picking up little things here and there. Mm -hmm. But the last thing that they picked up was going down to the basement where the kitchen is based. There was no activity with the exception of the motion detectors lights, which were placed on the stairs. Mm-hmm. No one was sitting or standing anywhere near the stairs, but the lights kept going off Ooh. as though someone were hovering in the stairwell. Carol told us about the time she and another staff member, Chris were upstairs in the gift shop mm-hmm. and distinctly heard some, heard the scraping of table legs followed by laughter in the basement. No one was supposed to be in the mansion at the time, and they both looked at each other a little anxiously. Running downstairs to find out who was there, they Mm -hmm. searched thoroughly, but couldn't find a single person. The basement door was most certainly locked. They had no explanation for who was making those sounds. That's crazy. Noting that there had been little activity in the basement, Mm -hmm. Chris jokingly asked of the ghost, do you want us to go upstairs and eat birthday cake? In a deep, ghostly voice, Vinny quipped, yes. (laughs) No. And the motion detector lights flashed on. We took that as our cue. (laughs) Go eat the cake. Go eat the cake. That's creepy. So that's the Morris Jumel house. That's so cool. Part of history. Some presidents. Yeah, lots of lots of interesting stuff. I like that. that. New York. So do in the interest of time, I think we're going to make this a two parter. Two parters are great. This is so fun. I'm having so much fun telling these stories. Yeah, I have two more awesome houses. I have some creepy two two more stories. So okay, so tune in next time, you guys. We're We're going to do two, and this is perfect for. Because we're, we're Halloween's right around the corner. I love it. Haunted houses. Haunted houses. Part I love two. it. All right. Are we ready to get into the movie? Oh, yeah. Movie time. Movie time. This week's movie. This week's movie is an oldie but a goodie because it was one of my first horror movies and i have never seen it until Which we watched crazy this. i know we watched poltergeist poltergeist so this movie was released the year i was born <laughs> 1982 <laughs> it got 7.3 stars in imdb and the synopsis is so short and sweet a family's home is haunted by a host of demonic ghosts that's, that's the synopsis that's it <laughs> nice they don't want to give anything else away Nobody which is else. that's what it really what it is but you know 
Can you guys believe this movie is rated PG? <laughs> she told me, oh, my kids are going to watch. I was like, don't let your kids watch yeah, it. It's so my, scary. My husband was like, oh, it's PG. No. We can all watch it as a family. No. It's spooky season. That's why I watched so it as a kid. So we did. Yeah. We watched it as a family. And look how I turned out, Angela. Your kids are going to grow up and be like, I'm going to do podcasts oh, about creepy things. My youngest has been in my bed all week. See? <laughs> I told her, I texted her too, because I mean, I'm sure all of you seen this, but I was like, dude, a tree tries to eat a kid. You're going to let your kids watch this? And sure I'm like, enough, yeah, they've seen worse. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, all right. But man, this movie is so fun because it just starts right off the bat spooky. Do you remember at night when the TV would do that? When it would do the yes, Star Spangled Banner? Yes, And my kids, oh yes, I remember the Star Spangled Banner. And it would turn off. And yes, and yeah. then it would go to static for a few hours. So, uh, my husband and I were telling the kids, we were like, oh yeah, that, yeah. that's what used to happen in real because, TV because yeah. they didn't broadcast 24-7. Nothing at night. Yeah. Nothing at night. It's and like now everything's streaming bed. and you can watch anything right. <laughs> 24-7. And my kids pointed out that when they were watching that scene they're like oh this is exactly how they did the Animaniacs trailer when Animaniacs was coming back and they were redoing oh, really? it yeah they took really? they took that the poltergeist I don't remember but they that. did it from when everyone's in bed so it's the second uh, time that the, the, yeah, 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 the yeah, static comes the on the static comes on oh my gosh and Yakko Wacko and Dot come out of the TV oh no so that was their, they're sh- here I think I've seen that before that's funny <laughs> so, there's a lot of things that people take from these, this movie yes it's so cool so many things i was like oh i've seen a parody of that yes. i've seen a parody Parodies. of that yep and like i've seen enough pieces of the movie so that mm-hmm. i know things like we actually talked about it in, in a previous podcast that i knew about the the clown the clown yeah which is the end part which i was i forgot about that i've seen this movie like every other year i was wondering when it was gonna happen right? i was like well where's the clown i see the clown. this is the end yep. and, and then the end kept going i'm like oh this is a false ending yeah not a real ending the they're best. doing a trick false ending i love those so we're at the beginning though real quick i wanted to say it was hilarious because the football guys you remember they're all watching the football game <laughs> yes and they're like what made me like i had to look this up mr rogers okay one of the guys kept going who is this guy when it get changed yes mr rogers has been around since the 60s yes so how did this guy not know who mr rogers was well maybe he doesn't have kids so and- everybody knows mr rogers he's I probably know. on like yeah, on news, like on articles, on like, you know, everything. Well, he did, He you know, he had that whole big push in Congress to get funding for. Yes. Yeah. That's for right. children's See? programming. So how does this guy? Who is this guy? That I just don't made know. me laugh. But I was like, yeah, I feel you. I even I have satellite Internet uh-huh. and it just doesn't like we don't get good reception so uh-huh. I was like I feel him I don't need someone else using a controller to change I my love TV. the clicker war yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious was that good there were so many moments in this movie that you're like Woo, that didn't stand up too well and how right. is this PG right 1982 yeah how did they they're get smoking weed they're in smoking bed, weed in bed. <laughs> and I'm like oh no right look at what my kids and we were just like don't smoke kids <laughs> That was crazy. Oh, oh so no. Funny. I was laughing really no, hard at that good. part. And I'm like, I shouldn't be laughing at this. But, but I mean, like, yeah, PG where there's a tree trying to eat a little kid. <laughs> there's like, there's so much going on right at the bat. And yeah. I was like, 
This shouldn't be PG. I'm sorry. It should be PG-13 at least. So. Well, yeah, but they didn't have PG-13 then. They didn't. I think it was because of movies like this. They really? started doing the ratings. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I uh, don't don't quote me on when they started okay. it, but it was not the early 80s. I think they started doing the rating system maybe late 80s, early 90s. Huh, they didn't started know doing that. the PG-13. No wonder. Yeah. Oh, well, you learn something every day. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I can't, I couldn't believe how like that, that rating, but anyway. But yeah, this is such a good nostalgic movie. The whole fact that, um, and I'm sure again, everybody's seen this, your house being built on an Indian burial ground in like a cemetery. Yeah, it was built on a cemetery and they didn't bother to move the body. Which, okay, this is where I wanted to ask you. Yes. When you're building a house. Yes. Wouldn't you dig farther than six feet under the ground for foundation and stuff? I think so. So wouldn't they have hit gravestones (laughs) or like like bodies and like... Their coffins? Maybe. See, that's what I was really confused about. I'm like, okay, they built it on a cemetery. They just moved the headstones, but... Maybe they moved the ones that they were digging up. I don't... I have no idea how it works. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not in I just figured if you would be building houses, like a big construction job of all this, this huge neighborhood, you would come across some graves or like some like... Semi, no, sorry. Coffins and, and people, right? Yeah, so I was really confused so. by that. Well, I don't know because when we were in San Diego, that's true. A lot <gasps> oh, of those buildings right. were built over the but, graves. Uh, the sidewalks, the right? sidewalks, and but the then also the building. Really, the bar, right? Yeah, the bar was built on top of graves. I don't get it, people. I don't get it. But this was scary, right? Did you Did you like it, Poltergeist? Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. It was you know I, I've seen scarier things. It was fun to watch my kids get scared. Okay. There were lots of moments of laughing. There were lots of moments of like, oh, that's cringy. <laughs> cringy. But it was, it was fun. I had so much fun watching it. Good. Well, I wanted to get into, I'm sure all you poltergeist people and, and horror movie buffs, um, and Angela didn't know this, that the poltergeist franchise was, they, a lot of people speculate it was cursed. Yes, you were telling me about this this morning. So uh, let me give you a couple of facts about why people think it's cursed. The The biggest one is, I'm sure you've seen, the skeletons arise from the pool when they bury, they started digging up the pool and the skeletons come up, right? Yes. Yeah, they used real skeletons because it was cheaper. Again, hashtag money. That is insane. <laughs> than using fake props. That is insane. Who were these poor skeletons? Who signed off on being like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah use, use my, my skeleton, my family member. Oh, so that like, <laughs> my dad always wanted to be an actor. <laughs> hey, oh, no. But yeah, so that kind of started everything. That's the reason why a lot of it, they think that's why it was cursed. Yeah. That, oh, but um, stop saving money, people. Right? <laughs> Everything's cutting corners. And then your, your planes you, when are you cut corners. You screw yourself yeah, over. The planes time. are crashing. The bridge breaks. Bridges are breaking. So yeah, it's been insane. Okay. Um, so the human skeletons, but then what's really sad was, so Poltergeist was released in June, 1982 in November of that year, the oldest daughter, the, the actress, Dominique Dunn, um, she played Dana. She was murdered and she oh. was yeah, strangled in her own driveway by her abusive ex-boyfriend. Oh no. So she oh, passes away shortly girl. after the movie was released. Right. Mm-hmm. Then 
two more cast members died within years of the sequel. So there, in the Poltergeist 2, there's this, the older man that's the scary guy. He, he dies of stomach cancer at age 60. Oh, and no. then the actor, oh, oh, here's a, I skipped over something. In the second Exorcism, the sequel, they had a na- the, their Native American actor actually performed a real exorcism on the set. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, in 1984. Oh, no. He went by himself late at night, and then the next day the cast supposedly felt relieved. Oh, well, that's good. So he saved him, but... He dies of malnutrition and a post-operative kidney failure at age 53. What? Yeah. Oh, no. And and their deaths aren't that unusual, but still people were like, no, this is the they're, curse. They're cursed. Yeah. Then the really sad part, the little, little girl, Heather O'Rourke, Carol Ann, right? Yeah. She dies when she's only 12 years old and she dies of a cardiac arrest and septic shock caused by a misdiagnosed intestinal issue. Oh no. 1988. And this is about several months before the release of Poltergeist 3. Oh my gosh. Right? That's so sad. Poor little girl. She was so cute. She's so cute. And then there's just a couple more people who die after that but... I mean, they're coincidences. You could say that. You can chalk it up to that. But just the whole mystery of all this is just creepy. Yeah. It's got an ominous overtone. It does. Very ominous overtone. So much more than than just the movie. Right. But anyway, yeah. So, but other than (laughs) the curse, I just thought this movie, it's still, it's dated, right? 1980s. (laughs) It's a little dated. A little dated. But it still had some creepy scenes. Like in the, when one of the investigators comes in the the kitchen at night. Do you remember that? Oh, and his face. And his face face off. My kids (laughs) definitely did the mom trick. My husband and I were laughing at them because they they put their fingers over their eyes oh, yes. and they were like not watching yep. they were like okay we'll let you know when he's done pulling his face off and like don't <laughs> tell us that yeah see and and the maggots and the food the maggots and, and the food yeah. and blah, the meat blah, blah. i hate that part my brother and i were fun my parents make fun of us so i would cover my eyes when yes. i watch horror movies and my brother would cover his ears hear no evil see no evil. exactly <laughs> so we because i get it though because the the background sounds the the soundtrack and the yeah. noise really does spook you right absolutely so i get where he was going with that yeah. but i just like the like, hands i can't the watch it yeah i don't want to watch it. i'll yeah. hear it that's fine I was like laughing while I was watching it, but also like creeped out. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's pretty clever. You know, it's dated because <laughs> when they're going into the light where, you know, the closet. Yes. I was like, dude, that's, that's a, that's a, a fan. fan. <laughs> that's a fan of the light. That's a fan of the light. The, the special effects aren't up to par where sure. they are nowadays. Well, yeah. it was 1982. Yeah, but it was, it was fun. I can't believe they got away with a lot of the things yeah, for PG. For PG. But it was still a really fun mm-hmm. scary like just fun scary movie to watch right? yeah so it was great i, I like the a, a fun watching. i like the ghosts coming down the the stairway oh that was that? that was very pretty and they saw it on the video and they yeah. could see the people actually yeah that was a very pretty moment yeah i like yeah. that one and then there's some there was oh there was a discrepancy because at the end uh-huh they're like oh we're gonna stay at the holiday inn Oh yeah, Angel okay. pointed this out. Did this confuse anybody else? Because the the oldest daughter specifically asked her mom, "Mom, are we staying here tonight? Are we staying in the house?" She's like, "No, Dad wants us to stay at the Holiday Inn." Mm-hmm. And then a little bit later, you see her tucking the kids into bed at the house. At the house. So they didn't leave. 
So would they get it? Was he going to come home and then move later? Where, maybe, yeah, like, maybe maybe he was coming home really late, late that and so been. he wanted the kids to take like a nap, a quick sleep. Yeah, but that's still I wouldn't want to stay there. Yeah, no, I no. I'd be like, no, I'm not in even going to go room, to sleep. You know what happened <laughs> yeah, right? in that room? <laughs> like the closet. Man. As soon as I got my daughter out of the ether, I would be like, all oh, right, let's, let's, let's go. Yeah, we'll come visit the house during the day to get to things, get all our things. But we are not. I'm never staying in this time house. in here. Yeah. No. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Yeah. That's creepy. My last thing real quick is that, so at the beginning, and what is this mom doing? She, the, the, her oldest is 16, right? 16. She's walking. Which, incidentally, oh, yeah. is the age that the mom was when she had her. Right, math. Did you guys do the math? Because we did, and we know we were right in this math, because theoretically, <laughs> she is 32 years old 32. and has a 16-year-old daughter. Yep. Gilmore Girl rules. She is 16. She's 16. So this, her daughter, Dana, 16 year old, walking outside at the pool and they're, the, the pool that is being made by these construction guys that they know and they're cat calling her and whistling at her. Yeah. And the mom's sitting the mom's there just watching ha, 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 like, giggling. oh, it's normal. And like she fends for herself. She flips them off and they're laughing about it. And I'm uh, like, good 16 year old, no. but bad parenting mom yeah would you go over no. there and slap these men and go hey i'm gonna hire somebody else because you are harassing my daughter like yeah what is that yeah that would not fly no not now never I, yeah my mama bear would come yeah. out and i would yeah be i would hitting those yeah <laughs> i'd be like get the hell out of my house yeah right yeah like, yeah, yeah and then then you she goes and comes back and he's like eating her food i'm like ew, ew yeah pre-covid ew <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, way pre-COVID germs yeah. out of it oh, that's so gross. gross yeah yeah so that again those there's a lot of things that are dated about this movie but still I love this I I will watch it probably every other year it's a classic it I understand why it's a classic good all of the problematic parts are specific to the time period yes. so it's kind of like a little time capsule of like what you were allowed to do and get away with right in the 80s right the 80s, which is kind 30s. of crazy mm-hmm I, what I love about it is that it's fun and it kind of makes fun of itself or is very aware of kind of how ridiculous these moments are. Mm-hmm. Like a clown strangles a boy. Oh. A tree eats that same boy. Yeah, poor boy. I will be so traumatized. There are skeletons popping up all over the place. <laughs> Everywhere. There's yeah. things in the room. They close the room off and there's like things floating and moving in their room. Like, yes. 24-7. Yes. And they're like cool with it. Yeah. Oh, and then the the crash helmet on her daughter when she goes sliding across the floor. (laughs) The mom's all like, like, watch this. This is fun. I'm like, no. No. There's some crazy force. I would have been out of there as soon as I saw the chairs restack themselves on the table. Like, "Mm, okay, done. I'm out. Maybe even the second my daughter's like, they're here. Yeah, right. No, we're not talking. No. They even saw her in the very beginning talking, talking to the people to the, in the and TV. They're like, they were like scraped it off. They're like, cool. All right. That's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a little girl talking to a TV. <laughs> what the hell? Nope. I would have been, nope. Gone. Okay. We're going to have this place exercised yeah. at that moment. Or just burn down and leave. <laughs> I would burn the house down. So how many <laughs> stitches do you give Poltergeist? I would give it an eight. Yeah, I, I that's a good one. I, yeah, yeah, eight. Because it's like a movie that I'll, like I said, I'm not going to rewatch it every year, but I'll probably rewatch it every. It's a other classic. Year. Yeah, it's and fun. It's still kind of spooky, but 
you can watch it. You can thoroughly watch it. Apparently, it's PG. So apparently, Miss <laughs> Angela lets her kids watch. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. I should have thought about them. Like it's eighties, eighties, nineteen eighty rule. Yeah, it was fun. You scarred them for life. Just I, like I me. have. Yay! They turn out to be like me. I, I turned out okay, right? You turned out wonderful. Okay, good. See, you're so an they'll awesome be okay. person. They'll like scary movies. I think. Yeah, they'll they'll like scary movies. Oh, that was a super fun episode. I can't wait to do part two. Oh, I am very excited for part two. This was fun, though. I love learning about like true scary houses because we'll go visit them, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. All of the ones that I talked about today give tours. That's so cool. Some that I'm going to talk about, you can actually sleep in. Ooh. <laughs> and then again, if we guys have $3.5 million, you can buy the house for us, you know. Yeah. We'll come visit you. <laughs> Everett. Yeah. <laughs> Go buy the house in Everett. We'll yep. come visit. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So with that, please reach out to us on our socials. Please. Email us at theominousstitch at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We want to hear from you. We will give you guys shout outs. Be on the lookout for patrons, people. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you some more info about it. If soon. you want to support the podcast and maybe get a little surprise from miss nicole or me or both yeah yeah be on the lookout for that we'll have some announcements coming soon with that and with that see you stitchers see you stitchers Uh